This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When it comes to the world of soccer, we've got you covered. This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome in to another Atlanta Soccer Tonight special, the Women's World Cup rolling on. We have a couple of teams that have already advanced to the quarterfinals. We'll have another one tonight at 10 o'clock when the Netherlands play South Africa. And we'll find out at 5 a.m. Sunday morning if the United States will join those teams. They play Sweden. Sweden won their group. The U.S. finished second. This is a game that I thought might be a semifinal. It's a round of 16 match, and we'll break it all down for you right now on this AST special. I'm Jason Longshore, joined by Jessica Charman. And Jess, Spain and Japan have advanced. I don't think there's any surprises in that. That was what I was thinking would happen with both of those. I guess maybe out of those two games, the, the reaction from Spain after a bad loss to finish the group stage, it was pretty good this morning. Yeah, it was really a good performance from the Spanish. I had a few question marks just after how they crumbled against the Japanese, but they were able to harness all their frustrations, all their disappointment in their performance. And I felt a little bad for Switzerland because I think they got the absolute brunt of everything the Spaniards had kind of been holding in since their last match. Only question mark over the Spanish is if you look back, go watch that goal that they conceded. It's the second time. The second time in this tournament we've seen a defender aimlessly look like and just play it back without looking at the goalkeeper communication issue maybe a little bit of complacency issue that's the only tarnish on what was an extremely good performance from the Spaniards yeah that's one that you keep in the back of your mind and hopefully that's not something that we will see as a regular basis of the Spanish game very possession based they they looked great today we'll see if they can continue this on in the quarterfinals Japan Maybe the best team in the tournament so far. They have been scoring goals for fun. They've only conceded once. That was today. They're into the quarterfinals. I don't think there's much of a surprise if I say that I expect the Netherlands to advance tonight against South Africa. 
No, I don't think so. On paper, they should. Do I think South Africa are going to make it really difficult for the Netherlands? I do. They have a never-say-die attitude. They never know when they're beaten. We've seen resilience from the South Africans scoring, you know, last-minute goals. I just think the Netherlands, as we saw against the US, which is the closest we've probably watched the Netherlands, are just very organised defensively. But they're very smart and they're a, a very disciplined side. I think South Africa will struggle, but I don't think it's going to be as much of a blowout as I would say these two matches were. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the Dutch will have to work for it to break through. But once they do, I think they'll be in control of that one. The biggest toss-up of the round of 16 is the game that we're going to talk about in depth now, USA-Sweden. Um, the United States, you know, I talked about this on the preview for the round of 16, and we said from game one that this is the issue with this U.S. team. You can yell about lineups, you can yell about identities, and you can yell about philosophies and substitutions. No team in the tournament has underperformed its XG value by more than the United States. Four goals, 7.8 in the XG. They, they're fourth in chances created. They're 26th in goals scored. That's why they're here in this match. It's almost like we uh, were onto something after the Vietnam game where we sat there just saying clinical finishing. It's going to come back and bite you. And I think back to the stat there, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was maybe five or six big chances that went amiss in that game. It was a yeah, wild eight. amount of big chances. Eight. There we go. I was under us. I was eight. trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, Jason. I didn't want to look like the U.S. hater or something. But <laughs> That one has stuck in my head since that night. Eight out of ten missed chances. It's foul. It's foul. That's a terrible statistic. And unfortunately, it's been coming back to haunt the U.S. And Sweden, defensively are extremely good. They are organized. They're not going to give up numerous big chances. And the fear for the U.S. is if you're not clinical, when you get your opportunities, what are you going to do? And every single forward-thinking player has had a misplay in the final third. And that's what I think. I understand question marks over the lineup. But at the end of the day, it feels almost like it's contagious across the entire squad that in these big moments, they're not handling the pressure and being able to finish. Yeah, and, and that's where I'm at with it. It's not about Sophia Smith or Trinity Rodman or Alex Morgan or Lynn Williams, players we have seen across the front line from the start in three games so far. Uh, Megan Rapino has had big chances. It's not about which one of that group it is. It's about somebody better get hot or the U.S. could be going home because they're creating the chances. They're creating the big chances they're not finding the back of the net. And ultimately, when you get to this stage, somebody's got to find the back of the net at least once. And the concern is there's not been a goal since that Netherlands game. And that had to come from a set piece with Lindsay mm -hmm. Horan. You're not creating goals. You're creating chances, but not goals from the run of play all too often. And now you're missing Rose Lavelle, who was the turning spark. If it wasn't for Lavelle coming into that Netherlands game, I'm not sure the momentum in that second half would have changed as much. And now you don't have that option to change the game with Rose Lavelle. You heard in Lindsay Horan's press conference when she said, hey, we have to win this match in order to give Rose the opportunity to get to show even more what she can do on the World Cup stage. Comments like that show what an important player on the field Rose Lavelle is. How, Jason, do they adjust to that missing presence? That's the question, and this is where we can, we can talk about Vlatko, and I, I think he's been criticized too much. I think it's been a little over the top in this tournament. This is a team that 
on the flip side, and I, I think we have to be fair about this side of it, they've only conceded one goal, and it was one goal from the run of play against the Dutch. They've been very good defensively. Alyssa Nair has not had much to do in goal. Naomi Gurma has been outstanding in the back line. Julie Ertz looks like the Julie Ertz of old, even at center back. But in this game, you've got to have a little more going forward because you don't want it to come down to a set-piece battle. That's where the Swedes excel. I don't know what the answer is. Honestly, I don't know if we've seen the answer yet, maybe is the better way to put it. We've seen Savannah DeMello in midfield, and she's been okay. She was better in the Dutch game for sure. Um, we haven't seen Julie Ertz in the midfield. Could you get her into the midfield and play Alana Cook in the back? That could be a little risky, although the Swedes... It risk is versus reward, team. though, and it's risk it, it versus is. reward. And I think I and, and I think we both echo this. The fear is it's too late to make that change. But at the same time, the risk versus the reward of putting Ertz in that six, she offers protection in terms of Cook and Gurma. If they are, haven't had as many minutes together, obviously it would be the first minutes for Cook in the World Cup. But she offers that connectivity between the lines. I think one of the things about the U.S. national team that I've seen is the three lines haven't been able to connect. And Ertz offers more of a connection between your back line and your midfield that maybe has been lacking. Yeah, I honestly don't hate the idea of, of Julie Ertz moving into the midfield and playing more of the eight role. I think Andy Sullivan's done a fine job as the six. I don't think that's the issue. Let them play in a double pivot, but give Julie Ertz the opportunity to go and either press Sweden and cause turnovers and win the ball higher up the field and create maybe some easier chances in the run of play. Or you're right. I mean, I think Julie Ertz, we think about the physicality. We think about the winning of the aerial duels and just winning duels in general. But I think on the ball, she's very clean, very good in those moments. Maybe and what's that's been an issue the with the U.S.? I think we point at some of the misplays and I had an opportunity to talk to Ali Dong and she was saying like there's a lot of talk about tactics but honestly the individual yep. cleanliness on the ball has been lacking and that's not something you ever associate with the U.S. For me watching as an outsider you expect crispness, you expect clean touches, you expect confident passing lanes and possession and honestly I've seen more turnovers in this World Cup watching the US in terms of being on the sideline and a heavy touch or not being able to trap the ball than I think I've ever seen from the US before. And that's where someone like Ertz, who does just have a cleanliness and ability to keep it simple, could be an inspirational person to have in the middle of the park. The other options and maybe the the easier options would be to to play a Megan Rapino in that kind of a role thinking she might be able to get you 45 or, or 60 minutes playing in the middle as more of a 10 you, you know Sullivan and Haran would do the running for her it would be about Rapino pulling the strings it would be about getting some opportunities from outside the 18 but also playing those passes through if it's if it's not Rapino in that kind of a role Maybe it's an Ashley Sanchez who we haven't seen in the tournament yet. I, I think you've got to figure out that side of it in this game. And I don't think, as much as I think Savannah DeMello bounced back against the Dutch, I don't think that's the best way in this game. Maybe from the start it is, but you've got to have that that, that wild card up your sleeve. A change to go in dimension, a plan yeah. B, because... 
I think it's extremely risky to sit and hope to get an opportunity against Sweden when, as we've heard from so many different pundits, this is the best team off of set pieces. You can't try and be the team that's grabbing a goal against the runner player against the Sweden when any time you give up a set piece, whether it be a free kick, whether it be clearing the ball out for a corner, they have that opportunity to score. You have to try and put this game to bed and be the aggressor. The most like-for-like like option, in my opinion, is Ashley Sanchez. The safest option based off of what we've seen in this tournament is Savannah DeMello. The maybe best option in terms of the personalities in this team is moving Julie Ertz there and playing Alana Cook in the back. We just don't know where Alana Cook's head is right now after not getting the start, not mm -hmm. appearing in the tournament yet. Mm -hmm. That would be the concern with that. And I think that's what we talked about a little bit in a previous podcast where unfortunately when you've seen players maybe not been given the nod not getting to feature not seeing minutes has that impacted their mental state and as we know confidence in this sport is so important if you're not a hundred percent all in if you're not trusting your own ability then how is that going to translate onto the pitch and as a defensive player i'll tell you as a defender or someone in the final line of defense you have to be mentally switched on and ready if you're having doubts in your own ability that's going to translate onto the pitch and not in a good way so we've we've harped on set pieces for sweden and, and the reason why is they've scored four goals from corners in this tournament like really Ooh. specific on set pieces like corners and I, I need a goalkeeper perspective on this because what's interesting about sweden's corners a lot of times maybe with the scandinavian teams we expect the size advantage to come into play it's drive a ball across. They're going to go up and win the header. Simple. That's not really what Sweden's doing. They're they're loading the six-yard box. They're floating the ball into the six. And the physicality is part of it at this point. They're, they're winning those aerial duels. But the floated ball into a crowded six-yard box. Put yourself in a listener's boots here. How do you want to deal with that? I, if I can, 100%, I want to take it into my own hands. You know, I want to be dominant. I want to be confident. But you have to play the individual ball. And that's something where her communication is going to be have to be key. We've seen a few shaky moments, I think, from there in that Portugal game where she wasn't sure whether to come or not. You have to make your mind up 110% and commit to it. Because when you don't, that's where you see goalkeepers get stuck in no man's land. But for me, I like to take ownership of it myself, come out two big hands on the punch, but you have to be dominant. The other thing that you play into your mind is, as a goalkeeper, if you come and you talked about them crowding that six yard box, you have the likelihood if you come and kind of fluff at it, that maybe you get a call in your favor versus if you stay rooted on your line, there's not gonna be that option. So I think Nair needs to be aggressive from the get-go and let these Swedish attacking players know that they're gonna be challenged from the goalkeeper because I don't think we've seen enough of goalkeepers being aggressive in the scenarios. Yeah, it also kind of sets a, a tone, too. It, it makes them know that, yeah, you're going to get these opportunities and look for them, but you might pay the price with getting hit with either my fists or my knees or my hips or anything exactly. I can throw at you. And, and you, when was the last time? I mean, I know there's a couple, but it's pretty rare that a ref's ever going to call a goalkeeper for that if they're yeah, going for the ball. Exactly. It, it's a rarity. And the risk versus the reward again is far more significant for a goalkeeper there. You set the tone and you make them think twice before the next time coming in because 
they haven't been hit around. They haven't had that knee to the back. Like you said, Jason, get a knee to the back. I'm not sure that attacking player comes in quite as confidently on the next six piece. Yeah, make them, make them think about it because that's the thing that when you look at this team from Sweden and you look at a player like Amanda Illestet, Illestet and Jonna Anderson. So Jonna Anderson has been serving up the corners. Illestet has been in the 18. Anderson's created six chances for Illestet in the group stage from Ooh. corners. Two of those were assists. No player has created more chances for a teammate, a specific teammate, than Anderson to Illestet. And no player has assisted a player in this tournament. And how important often. is marking there then? It's all yeah. about whoever is tasked with marking. You need to be tracking absolutely everywhere. You cannot be allowing you know, that player to be able to run in with a clean run. You've got to be tasking someone with the duty of just preventing them reaching the ball putting anything in the way of stopping them getting there. I mentioned the stat on the round of 16 preview. It has absolutely blown my mind. It, it's maybe the best representation of pure dominance in one aspect of the game that I've ever seen documented. Wow. Sweet, yeah, yeah. Sweden have an XG of 3.3 from shots attempted directly from corners at the tournament so far. So three games, they've got 3.3 in expected goals directly from corners. That's 2.4 in XG higher than any other team in the tournament. And this is the one that blows my mind. If you take the Women's Super League and their 22 games in the last season, what Sweden has done from corners in three games is more than any Women's Super League team did in 22 in the last season. That's insane. Tells yes. me the, the Super League teams need to be working a little bit more on their set pieces as Maybe well. Maybe so. It's a very valuable part of the game, but it becomes one of those things now where for the US, you have to be working at every time possible to prevent giving up corners. Yeah. You know, I know uh, you've got to have that mindset of, hey, you got to work back. you got to clear this up. We cannot be giving away corners because they are absolutely deadly with them. And the only thing I would say that maybe you take a bit of solace in as the U.S. Women's National Team is that they're not a one-trick pony, but they're fairly one-dimensional. They're relying on one thing. If you can prevent that service coming in, if you can silence opportunities from the dead ball, then you may have a better opportunity. That, yeah. And it's something, though, like, I think it's easy to, to sit here and, and say, you know, you got to avoid giving up corners. I mean... I can think of games that I've been a part of. I'm sure you've got this where you play a team that is great on corners and it starts to get in your head like, ah, oh, I got to clear this out for a throw. Or you play a team that's got great long throws. Uh, maybe they have somebody who does the flip throw, for example. The Rory DeLap. Yes. And you're like, well, I can't get those up. And it starts to affect the way that you play. And it's a tough balance because when a team is so good in that aspect, you have to try to avoid it, but you also have to play the game that's in front of you. Yeah, you don't want to end up being so scared about giving away a corner that you try and take on a player in your own 18-yard box, get caught in possession, and they get a tap-in, right? And you see these things happen where players are so desperate not to give up a throw or give up a corner that they end up overcomplicating it. At the end of the day, you have to trust your own individual ability. And I hope that 
And I'm pretty confident that the US has been working on defending set pieces and attacking set pieces as well, because I think that's been an area that they needed to utilize a little bit better as well. You have to trust that in your practice, you've worked on it enough that you're going to be organized enough that if you do have to defend, you're going to win that battle. When you look at how Sweden plays, it's pretty much a 4-4-2. They're going to have two up top high so they can be direct. That's something that the U.S. has to be a little concerned with if they stay with their 4-3-3, which I would assume that they would. Um, Another storyline in this game is two veteran, uh, amazing players, legends for both of their teams, Caroline uh, Seeger and Megan Rapino, who are retiring after the tournament. And I think both teams are extremely motivated to not have that retirement happen after this match. Yeah, it's always playing in your mind, right? And I think it's interesting that you've brought up the opportunity to potentially start a Megan Rapino to help her take care of her own destiny. You know, it, it would be a really interesting decision to see that when you have a player on your side that is a legend in their own right, you want to give them the performance they deserve. But sometimes you can overthink these things. You can try a little bit too hard because of it. You have to trust that individually you're going to be good enough. I think the biggest storyline for me, though, is just what a loaded match this is and how, you know, Sweden has got the best of the U.S. in the Olympics and how the U.S. is looking for revenge. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to is these teams don't really like each other very much. The Olympics, Sweden opened it with a 3-0 win over the U.S. That kind of started a a bad run for the team in the tournament where they were knocked out in the knockout rounds. Uh, Sweden knocked the U.S. out of the 2016 Olympics, and Hope Solo went off afterwards and called them a bunch of cowards <laughs> after that game. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot here between these two teams. This is the matchup that we have seen the most at the Women's World Cup, USA and Sweden. What is going to decide it in your mind? Which U.S.? women's national team shows up, honestly, whether it's a team that looks cohesive, that shows the individual talent that they have, but also realizes that the sum of the parts has to equal the whole, or whether it's the US that we saw in the group stages that wasn't good enough. I'm looking at those first 15 minutes. I know we talk about that a lot, but I think it's absolutely key. If the US comes out dominant and they're able to get a big chance and they're able to finish that big chance, then they're gonna grow in confidence and belief. However, if you see the U.S. create a big chance in those first 15 minutes and it gets whiffed, like we've seen a lot of whiffs so far in this tournament, you wonder if that self-fulfilling prophecy might impact the mental state of this U.S. women's national team and kind of mean that those younger players' heads drop and then they're not able to show what they can do. Yeah, I think what we've seen from Sweden, too, in not just this tournament but just in general, this is a team that will be pragmatic when they need to be and, and I'm not using that as the the cliched like synonym for being defensive no it's they'll take what the game gives them and, and if they get an early goal they might drop into a line of five and they might just and that's you not from cowardly Hope no, Solo. that's no. just smart that's just good soccer IQ it is just doing what you need to do to get the job done now I do prefer and I, if I remember right that game in 2016 uh, Sweden did not get the lead. They played that way from the jump, and they were really good at the time-wasting in that game as well. I don't think this Sweden team plays that way. I, I think I, they have gained confidence. They're a better confidence. Swedish team yes. as well. They are better. Yeah. They are, And honestly, now teams that play the U.S., 
feel empowered going into a game. They're not scared of the US in maybe the way that teams have been in the past or tentative to take that risk or slow to get started because they don't want to show all their cards and be, you know, taken advantage of from such a powerhouse like the US. I think now the Swedish team feels, and I think rightly so, feels they can go into this match, play their style of play and get a result. They're not so much focused on the US right now as focused on their own business. And that shows the growth and confidence of the Swedish side. Yes, it absolutely does. This is a Swedish team that you have to look at with some fear, not just because of those corners with Jonah Anderson, who plays a left back, connecting with the center back, Amanda Illestet. Uh, Anderson in the run of play can get forward and put in dangerous crosses. They were able to rest two of their key players in that last group stage game against Argentina, Fridolina Rolfo and... Kosovari Aslani, two top players that, that we've seen at, at a club level in, in UEFA competition for a number of years. They didn't have to play in the game three. The U.S. didn't have that luxury, and they're going to have to find a way to get this done. I, I really think it's going to come down to one of those attackers having a good day at the office. And with the talent that the U.S. has and the chances they've created in this tournament, you would think that one of Alex Morgan, Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman, maybe Lynn Williams, maybe Megan Rapino, maybe Ashley Sanchez, maybe maybe Alyssa Thompson. One of them is gonna have a good day in Listen to those names. I, I Do you know what I'm like just listen to those names? It's a luxury to think of all those names that you have. One of them has to be able to handle this moment and show what they can do. It, it feels like it has to happen. The lineup choice is important. There are the solutions on the bench if that choice doesn't work out, which, believe it or not, happens quite often in the game where coaches have an idea and it doesn't quite work, and it's how you adjust. And that's also a big credit to if they get that part right. You've got to get it right at the end and advance. That's all that matters at this point. It's not about how much dancing you're doing after games. It's not about the, the fashion show before the game. It's not about any of the things that has taken up all of the hot air about this team and everything You've coming into chance. it. you What does it matter? Yes. You've got a, there are teams that will be begging yes. for a chance, and that's what's frustrating. Three Brazil would like to be here. Teams. Germany Three. would like to be here. Three top 10 ranked teams don't have a chance. That's all that matters. You've given yourself the opportunity to progress. Canada, Germany, mm -hmm. Brazil, none of those guys have a chance to dance. So, you know, if they if they boogie and they get through, then who cares about the dance moves? They're, they're not Scottish, so I don't think they'll, they'll be singing the old uh, Yes, Sir, I Can Boogie song, but maybe they will if they get a win with this one. Um, dance your way into the, the quarterfinals. They have it right in front of them. I, I think it's easy to because we're not used to seeing the U.S. women's national team in this situation. I think it's easy to overreact, but I seem to remember, Jess, when we were talking in November, December of last year during the Men's World Cup, I seem to remember a team losing their first game and all kinds of conversations coming up mm -hmm. about it. They had to scramble their way through the group stage. They did, and they ended up becoming legends. Like I've said time and time again, the group stage is there for a reason and you have a chance of forgiveness in the group stages. Once you get into the knockout rounds, 
It's 90 minutes, maybe extra time, maybe penalties, but it's one game at a time. And if you can raise yourself to each of those games, no one's going to look back and talk about how you played in the group stages. No one's going to look back and think about your eight chances that you've missed. You just have to take care of business in the round that matters, and that's the knockout rounds right now. If you create chances like you have in this tournament, if you create big chances like you have in this tournament, they should beat Sweden. If they don't convert those chances like they have not converted those chances in this tournament, it could be a long, long morning. Um, in terms of time, because Sweden's not exactly a team that you expect to score a lot from the run of play. It could go a long way. It could come down to extra time. It could even come down to penalties. It's two evenly matched teams. It's two teams with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder in different ways. And it should be a great, great match, a very dramatic match. And we'll find out who advances into the quarterfinals when all is said and done. You want to make a prediction? No, because I don't <laughs> know. <if I'm... laughs> I, listen, Jason, I, You're I'm just like, worried. no. I, I, I'm really worried. I don't know why I feel like one one, and it goes all the way to pens. And I'm not going to say who who wins yeah. the penalty shootout, but yeah. I just feel like the U.S. isn't keeping a clean sheet. But I do think they'll get on the score sheet. I think the U.S. wins it in extra time. I I think it's going to be one of those games where it's it's one one. It goes to extra time and. With all those options off the bench, all those Death. attacking options, I, I think somebody comes good. And I, I don't know. I just I keep coming back to Alyssa Thompson. That was the name the I was. Wouldn't you love it? Yeah. And the difference. We saw how nervous she was against Vietnam. I think they mm -hmm. zoomed in on her face, and you understand. Yep. A cool, calm, composed Alyssa Thompson against tired legs. Yep. Could be gold dust for the U.S. Yep. What a wild card to have, and that could be. The one who emerges out of that group. Somebody has to. Somebody's got to put the ball in the back of the net. The chances have been there, and somebody's got to convert. We'll find out who that is, or if they don't, we'll talk about what happened uh, next time we reconvene here on Atlanta Soccer Tonight and Off the Woodwork. That'll be Monday night. New time slot for AST on Monday. It's going to be 10 p.m., uh, Jess will be a little busy with um, her other job calling Charlotte FC games as they continue in the League's Cup, but we'll get a recorded reaction to the U.S. match, and we'll have that on the show on Monday night. <sighs> get, a, get some sleep in. Get a nap. It's 5 a.m. It's a little bit easier to deal with. Uh, Pre-game shows an hour on Fox starting at 4, and we will be talking about it the rest of the weekend. Hope you have enjoyed this tournament so far. This is one to get up for. This is a big game, and we'll be talking about it when it's done. Thanks for hanging out with us. Adios, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.